0: A reading from the book of Galatians. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Jesus Christ you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to the promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and of a son, then an heir through God the word of the Lord
1: Good morning. Good morning. For those who are visiting, my name's Paul. I am the senior pastor here. It's a joy to worship with you on this beautiful Charleston morning. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's begin this time with a brief word of prayer. If you could bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray Come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me begin by asking everyone this question. Have you ever felt confined in life? His name is Flacco. He's a Eurasian eagle owl, born in captivity some 14 years ago in New York City's Central Park Zoo. And he's absolutely majestic and magnificent, according to David Lee one of his many admirers. Says Lee, an urban photographer, he looks much like our native great horned owls, but quite different with beautiful orange plumes and orange eyes. He's got a massive six foot wingspan and it's just a delight to behold him. Here is a picture of Flacco. And here is another picture of Flacco. So, church, why do I share about this bird? Well, here's why. Just over one year ago, Flacco escaped captivity. He did. In the dead of winter, after vandals damaged his mesh enclosure at the Central Park Zoo, Flacco escaped. He escaped captivity. And New Yorkers everywhere were worried sick, as you might imagine. How would he survive? Could Flacco even fly? And how would he even eat? They asked. Yet listen, from what I've read, Flacco has been flourishing over the last year. He's been flourishing. This great Eurasian eagle owl has been living on the streets and in the trees of New York City. As Lee went on to share with the publication out of New York, The Gothamist, quote, he, Flacco, initially wasn't very good at flying. He'd get exhausted quite quickly flying a short distance from tree to the next One tree to the next, crashing into branches when he went to land. But he kept at it. And over time, he got better. And he got better very quickly, actually. And before long, he was quite graceful in flight. In other words, Flacco, friends, just had to learn to be an owl again. He needed to learn to fly. He needed to learn to eat. And Jack, rumor has it, he even needed to learn to hoot, which he rarely did at the Central Park zoo. You see, Flacco just needed to learn to be an owl again in his freedom. Bringing this back into the room, let me ask again, have you ever felt confined in life? Sure, it could, it could be situational, like a relationship, a job, a living arrangement, but allow me to dig a little deeper. Existentially speaking, have you ever felt confined in life? As we look at Galatians this morning and continue our series in this brilliant book by the Apostle Paul, the Apostle says that this reality uh, is true for each of us before we come to faith in Jesus. Confined, held captive, imprisoned is the language the Apostle uses to describe our state before the gospel breaks in, or should I say before the gospel is meant to break us out and so this along with some other elements we're going to be looking at this morning leads us to our big idea from scripture today friends in Jesus we're not only freed but loved permanently adopted into God's family amen little baby in Jesus we're not only freed but loved friends Permanently adopted into God's family. And we're going to unpack this through three points. Point one, in Jesus, find freedom. Point two, in Jesus, find love. And point three, in Jesus, find your family. So point one, diving into God's word together. In Jesus, find freedom. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law. Imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. And then skipping forward to Galatians 4, I mean that the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of The world, but when the fullness of time had come, I love that God sent forth His Son, born of a woman born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So, church, here's a confession. Here it is school was hard for me. Anyone else? School was hard for me. Accordingly, my mom, who's got her PhD, she's an educator got me lots and lots of tutoring. She thought the better the education, the better the person. And so ultimately, even though I was the top of my class in Little Lake Wales, Florida, I was sent on to boarding school in the eighth grade to a school in Chattanooga, Tennessee, called the Macaulay School, where I would stay there for five years getting the best education possible. Now, did I get a good education one fellowship? You bet I did. But I just saw, discovered something else while I was at Macaulay. Here it is. I discovered I needed more than simply a good education. Even in eighth grade, deep within me, I discovered I had a need for genuine, caring, lasting relationship. And it all came to me one Saturday morning. You see, one Saturday morning, I was sitting in detention all by myself, Having dispensed a military grade smoke bomb in the middle of our campus, true story with fire trucks coming and all. And I was sitting there in detention as a 13 year old, realizing I was really lonely, actually, really broken. Seriously, there was something missing. I was lonely and broken. And so, bringing this back into the room, have you ever been there? Well, looking at our passage, the Apostle Paul tells the Galatians, these young believers in Jesus, that the whole point of the law, the Old Testament law, was to hold people, quote, captive, imprisoned, serving as their guardian. And he's very intentional with his word usage. So let's unpack these words. So stick with me. First, he gives us this word captive, captive. And it literally means to be protected by military guards. And according to commentators, the word picture here is that uh, enemies would be kept out of a city, but residents also would be locked into a city, imprisoned, held captive. Got it? Stick with me. Stick with me. Next, he uses this word guardian. And this is really interesting going back to my boarding school experience because literally, I went to an all-boys bo- boarding school. And this word literally means, quote, tutor or a guide of boys. Tutor or a guide for boys. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. And the picture Paul paints here in our passage is that of a young boy in the Greco-Roman world who would have been under the supervision of a slave, a.k.a. a tutor, who would have taken that boy to and from school, managed the boy's affairs until he was an adult, and even dispensed discipline on the boy. Now, often this person, according to theologians, would be harsh to the point of cruelty And if you look at pictures throughout history in this time frame, this tutor might have held a a rod or a cane to dispense his discipline. I don't know about you, but that doesn't bless me. The thought of a tutor whipping me with a rod or a cane. So what's the point? Well, according to the apostle, this is what happens when we implement rules without relationship. Listen. Such is what results when we build our lives or build a culture or build a school or build a church or build a faith system uh, on rules without relationship, which is what many of the first century Jews had done by the time of this writing. In fact, that was Paul's life prior to his conversion to Jesus. And as Pastor Drew shared last week, the Jewish leaders by this point in history had ripped the heart or relational element out of the law. And we're using the law in that period of time as a means of controlling or manipulating people. And all of it, all of the rule keeping, do better, try harder, compare yourself with this person or that person, had created this toxic brew of pride and guilt. And here in our passage, Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, provides a clarification or a correction. And it's a big clarification or correction. And here it is, church. You ready? In a nutshell, Paul tells the Galatians that the whole point of the law, the Old Testament law, was never to lead us to perfection, but to a person. The whole point of the law, according to Paul, was never to lead us to some perfectionistic life, but to a person. Listen, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. Boom. And their friends is the gospel. Their friends is the path to freedom, according to the apostle Paul. So, yes. Do we need correction? Of course we need correction. We're a band of misfits, but our need runs deeper. We need lasting connection. You were born for a lasting connection. Thus, for the aching 13-year-old, lonely, broken Paul, Paul Sorensen, those existential longings, I felt, were spot on they were not only genuine but they were true. Guys, it wasn't as much that I was missing something, I was missing someone. And guess what? All those rules and regulations actually unveiled a deep need in me for a relationship, for a relationship, excuse me, that would stand the test of time. And guess what, friends? You carry that need too. This leads us to point two. In Jesus, find love. Find that love. But now that faith has come, we're no longer in a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you're all sons of God through faith. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you're sons... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Incredible. A lot here to unpack. Before we unpack it, let me share another reflection. Listen, Carly and I, we've never personally adopted a child, but we have siblings who've adopted a child. Many in here have beautifully adopted a child And listen, it's a very proactive, purposeful, and costly decision. First, there are conversations, there are prayers. Often it's very emotional and very personal. What will they be like? How will they fit into our family? How will they fit into our extended family? Do we have what it takes to carry this through? Next, there's planning, right? There's lots and lots of planning. Will we look to adopt domestically or internationally? Do, do we seek a boy or a girl? These are questions that are asked. And for those who are unfamiliar with this process of adoption, which I was for many years, it, there's a big vetting process associated with adoption, right? Background checks, interviews, home visits, you name it. And families even need to put together portfolios to prove that they're qualified. I remember editing my brother and sister-in-law's portfolio before they adopted Eli. And listen, lastly, there's the timing and the cost. Timing and cost. You see, willing parents have to wait, and they have to wait, and they have to wait, as the process can be grueling and very complicated. And adoption, friends, can be very expensive, costing tens and tens of thousands of dollars. Did you know that? tack on traveling expenses and temporary lodging expenses. So why would anyone adopt? Well, here's why, because they want a child. They want to give their love away. They want to give their life away. They want to give a child a home. And listen, one fellowship, bringing this back into the room, that's how God feels about you. That's how God feels about you. Through the love of God and Jesus' son, God wants to adopt you, care for you, provide for you, and give you a home. But when the fullness of time had come, just that phrase, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son born of a woman under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. See, it's not just about correction. It's about that lasting connection connection. And because you're sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, you're no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, an heir through God. Friends, do you see it? You are loved this morning. Do you grasp it? God wants you, Hayden, yes, you. Do you understand the invitation? God wants to give you, yes, you, a home, his home. Going back to the adoption process, the timing was right, check. The planning was right, check. The qualification was right, check. Even the cost was right, check. It was paid in full. Even the language about Abba, this most intimate Aramaic language for father, it was all right, pappy, papa. That's the invitation, check. Friends, Jesus came to redeem you, to care for you, and to give you a home. What good news this morning, right? Can I get an amen? Amen. Thus, hear this good news. Hear this gospel today. God sees you and cares for you and wants to give you a home. To the single person aching inside, God sees you, cares for you, and wants to give you a home. To the struggling parent, just trying to make ends meet, God sees you, cares for you, and wants to give you a home. To the exhausted man or woman who's just grinding every single day to finish the week, God sees you and cares for you and wants to give you a home. And to the rebellious lost teen like Paul Sorensen at 13 in eighth grade sitting in detention, who knows something's off, something or someone's missing, God sees you and cares for you and wants to give you a home. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time, Peter goes on to say in another passage. He never sinned, but he died for sinners. Why? To bring you safely home to God. Don't miss it, friends. This is the pinnacle of the gospel. Your love this morning... You're wanted this morning. The invitation is clear this morning. Jesus came, why? To give you a home. Permanent, full, lasting adoption into his family. In the words of J.I. Packer, what is a Christian? The richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as father. Do you know God as your father today? You belong. Whatever you've been through, whoever you are, you belong. God came in the person of Jesus to give you a home. And God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, Aaron, crying, Abba, Father, He wants to give you a home. Point three in Jesus, find your family. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Drew did such a good job last week unpacking this for us. If you missed it, go back. We'd love you to hear it. Perhaps one of the greatest things I get to share in here at this church is hearing testimonies, hearing how God is moving in your lives, right? Well, a couple of years ago, A gentleman who's sitting in the back of the room right now uh, shared this in December of 2021. Quote, a woman recently asked why I joined One Fellowship. She explained to me that one of her daughters was looking for a church home here in Charleston, but was struggling to find a place where she truly belonged. Now, I could have gone on and on about all the things I love about One, the leadership, the liturgy, the doctrine, the worship, the outreach, But I didn't. I just pulled my keys from my pocket and began shuffling through them. She looked a little (laughs) bewildered at first until I held up one of the keys and said, this is the key to one of the houses of our pastors. You see, in the short time I've known him, he's become one of my closest friends and mentors. I know I can go to his house whenever I need to. For counsel, community, even to watch a game or to catch up on work. And trust me, I really do mean whenever. I've been at one fellowship for just less than a year, and I know a dozen others in their families who have welcomed me in the same way with a no-strings-attached gospel type of love. I just love that. She looked shocked, he goes on, and probably said, that's awesome, half a dozen times as I spoke. And I shared her sentiment. But really, when you think about it, this shouldn't shock us at all. It's exactly what God intended for his family, a family coming together from all over the place, leaning into one mission, to know, love, and serve Jesus, to dwell with him, to make him known to a dark and dying world. I'm so thankful for my one family and for all the church families like it around the globe, including the one that raised me. One last thing. Again, this was written in December. If you're still reading this, you feel like you need a place to belong this Christmas season. Come spend time with me, but make sure you bring a very big key ring. Thank you, Jonathan. Isn't that beautiful? Again, this line, it's exactly what God intended for his people, a family coming together from all over the place. You see, in Jesus, friends, we not only find freedom in that he redeems us, we not only find love in that he adopts us, but in Jesus we also find family, a diverse, dynamic heavenly kind of family. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And guys, do you realize just how radical this statement would have been in Paul's day and age? Listen, at that point in history, Jews looked down on Gentiles and vice versa. Listen, at that time in history, women were second-class citizens and, of course, slaves had virtually no rights at all. But Paul says to the Galatians and to all of us, Gerald, the gospel changes all of that. Jen, the gospel changes all of that. Dave, Jesus changes all of that. See, in Jesus, friends, we're all loved by God, each having equal value in success, access to God. Equal value and access. So what does that mean? If you haven't been to church ever, and today you're like, this good news is for me. That means you have access as much as I do. You have as much value as much as I do with the Father today. Spectacular. Additionally, Paul says we're co heirs, meaning we share in this promise together. We share in this privilege together. So, Kim, God says, I choose you. Scott, God says, I choose you. Isley, God says, I choose you. Chris, God says, I choose you to not only be in relationship with me, but to be in relationship together, Robbie, to build a family. That's what I'm doing here. And friends, this, again, would have been revolutionary, not just for their time. It's revolutionary for our time. It's not to say that distinctives are not real and do not matter, but it points to what matters most in church. Listen, it points to what matters most in church, our shared faith and adoption in Jesus. As the late Tim Keller put it, it means I am a Christian before I am anyone or anything else. As we enter into this election year here in the United States, 2020 was a hot mess. Let me repeat that quote. It means this year and the years coming, I am a Christian before I am anyone or anything else. So again, the big idea and a couple applications, three applications, Dan and Jesus, we're not only freed but loved, permanently adopted, permanently secure in God's family. So what are the takeaways? Well, application number one, as a believer in Jesus, in your faith walk, here's my encouragement. Seek connection to Christ primarily, not just correction in life. Primarily seek connection, intimacy with Christ, not just moral correction in life. Listen, you do not have to revert to rule based living. Who in here grew up in a rule based church, if you will? I mean, it choked me out. You don't have to do that. You're no longer meant to be imprisoned or held captive. You are called to be free, free indeed in Jesus. Seek intimacy with him, connection, not just correction. Sit in his word, guided by his presence. Together with his people. Application two, learn to live with dignity. Teenagers, listen. Learn to live with dignity in your life. Learn to live with dignity. You are loved. You are loved. Your value has already been set, it's already been determined. Jesus gave his life for you, all of it for you. Learn to live with humility. Thanksgiving, in dignity. nothing to prove, nothing to protect as God's son and as God's daughter. You got it? it? Took me years to try to figure this out. I tried to earn my way over and over again, riddled with guilt. The price has been paid by Jesus, not you. Understand your worth. Date and live and walk in that dignity. And application three, find your family. Find your family. If you're visiting from out of town, welcome. If you're examining or exploring faith or whatever, welcome. This is a family. We're not just here for worship, we're here as a gospel community, a tribe together, united in Jesus. In this room today, you are connected, listen, by a bond that was sealed in blood. That's powerful. You are connected by a bond that's been sealed with Christ's blood. When something goes off the rails with you, it should go off the rails with me. Just a couple of weeks ago, someone was in the hospital in a real bad way. And honestly, it gutted me. I'm closer to many of you than my own extended family. Do I care for them? Absolutely. But God has brought us together for such a time as this. Find your family. As C.S. Lewis famously once wrote, a secret master of ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to the disciples, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. So find your family, take the time, take that next step in getting to know one another, build relationships, pray for one another, champion one another, encourage one another, and defend one another. In Jesus, listen, one fellowship, we're not only freed but loved, adopted into God's family. What good news. Amen?